Good morning. Hey, my name is Ryan. I am the music minister on staff here at LHCC, and it is an honor and a joy to stand up here today and to talk to you about true, genuine worship in our lives. And so before we do that, I really want to pray. So let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, just for this day that you've made. We thank you that you are a good God who is here with us in this moment. And God, I just ask that um, every word that's spoken today, that it would just be carefully cradled by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that, God, you would just reveal to us more and more uh, what Jesus was talking about when he said that we would worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And any distraction that the powers of darkness or just our own flesh would just bring into this moment right now, would you just push that stuff to the fringes as we lean into what you want to say and what you want to do today? We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we began this journey last week with our series titled Inside Out, Webby presented us with the truth that corporate worship's not about me, and it's not about you, and it's not for me necessarily, and it's not necessarily for you either, but it's for one person and one person alone, and that's God the Father. And I think that we know this to be true in the core of who we are But when it comes to materializing in our lives, and even on Sunday morning when we gather here together in this place, that can be kind of vague, and we're not necessarily sure what that means. And so as as we build on this idea, I want to ask this question. Is it possible that if we are unsatisfied at what we feel like we are not getting out of worship, here is a symptom of the worship that we are not experiencing uh, for the rest of the week? Our ability or our inability to engage well here on Sundays with the family of God in corporate worship has a direct line to our personal worship that we're experiencing the rest of the week. And your week is made up of 168 hours, and we only spend about one of those in here. And so what I want you to know today is that God is very concerned with how you're spending those other 167 hours. Amen? He's very, very interested and concerned with how you're spending that time and with your personal worship of him. And so last week, Webby kind of hinted at this whole idea of private uh, personal worship. And so what I want to do today is pop the hood on that, so to speak, and get into the kind of gears and mechanics of what that looks like in our lives. And so as we approach this today, I want to look at worship kind of like a two-sided coin. And so a coin's one object, right? But it's got an image on each side. And so if I were to show you a picture of this, and this coin's worth 25 cents, we all know this coin, I'm not going to give you any more hints, you would call it, if I were to ask you, quarter, right? But if I were to show you this picture, you would say, quarter, good job, you all get 100%, let's go home. But really, that's how I want to approach worship today. We've got corporate worship on one side of the coin, and then we've got our personal, our private worship on the other side of the coin. And, you know, sometimes when we think about the term worship, maybe there's these things that come to mind, right? Maybe um, it's an Emmaus walk that you go on on a weekend. Maybe it's a night of worship that you attend. Maybe it's what we're doing right here in this moment. And yes, worship can definitely happen in all of those spaces. But what I want you to know is that worship, in fact, never stops. It never ceases. And the first thing that I want to move us towards today is that we all worship. We all worship, every single one of us. I worship, you worship, you worship, the guy driving down the road right now worships, Uh, the person serving you your french fries at McDonald's, uh, he worships as well. We all worship, every single one of us. Can we just say that together? We all worship. 
We don't have to be told to do it. It's just as, as natural to us as breathing. And God has placed that native hardwired desire there himself. It's something that we don't have to be asked to do. It's something that we don't have to be told to do. It's something that he has just planted in us. And it's, it's just a very natural thing to us. And so this hardwired desire to worship is not a bad thing in itself. Yes, don't get me wrong. We need to confess to God when we're worshiping other things uh, or, or someone else besides him. But the desire to worship is really, really, really good. It's a really beautiful, holy thing. But the problem is, is that we pervert this oftentimes. And with this term perversion, there's sometimes things that can come to mind. But the term perversion can just simply mean to deviate from the right course. And so there's this original thing that God has given us. And, and it's beautiful and it's in its pure original state. But we've hijacked it and mutated it in something that it was never intended to be. And so the desire is right. But it's often misplaced. And so the second thing that I want to move us towards today is that our worship can be misguided. Our worship can be misguided. And we're going to turn to Exodus 32, and the people of Israel are going to help illustrate this truth for us. So starting with verse 1, it says, When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. And jumping down to verse seven, it says, then the Lord said to Moses, go down. Because your people, whom you brought up out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. What? What? The same people who were led by the Lord God out of slavery, out of Egypt... The same people who the God, they saw God part the Red Sea, and the Bible says that they walked across on dry ground. The, the same people who saw the Lord hurl their enemies into those very same waters and, and, and led them in victory is now attributing all of that victory to someone else, to something else. What? How can this be? But you know what, church? I think the principle lies true in our hearts that we are so quick to drift away in our devotion, in our worship to God. What are some examples? I'm glad you asked. What if it's a hobby that you get swept into and it's like you jump into the deep end of the pool? And guys, I know you know what I'm talking about, right? Before we know it, we're buying the magazine subscriptions and all the latest gear and we're watching all the YouTube videos that we can to learn about this hobby that takes up so much of our time. Or maybe it's a celebrity or a public figure that you follow on social media and you will aggressively defend them were someone to say the slightest critical thing about them. Or have you ever had that friend that would hang out, but as soon as they started dating someone, they are history. And these things don't, do not necessarily mean that someone's worshiping that thing or that person, but they can be really good indicators. But the last thing that I want you to do is to walk away today from our time and feel just defeated and beat down. But what I do want you to see is that your worship needs to be plugged in to the right source. 
And so the third thing that I want to move us towards today is that God alone is reserved for our worship. Colossians 1.16, talking about Jesus, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. All things have been created through him and for him. And that includes you and me. We were made for God by God. And Jesus himself says in Mark 12, 30, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. God himself says, you shall have no other gods before me. He is a jealous God. But what I want you to know is that God's jealousy is fueled by a furious love that he has for his people. And he will have zero competition. Everything that we are, everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think, exists for one purpose and purpose alone, to worship God. It's not optional. And just like our series, Inside Out Insinuates, there is something invisible becoming visible in our lives because adoration and love for God is overflowing in every single thing that we do. And there's a quote by St. Augustine, and I love this quote, and it says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. What does that mean? God, we were made for you and for you alone, and our hearts will never find peace and rest and contentment and fulfillment until they find it in you. And yes, we can definitely search in other things, but it will only multiply brokenness in our lives and leave us unsatisfied and separated from God in that way. But it's on each of us to cultivate this culture of worship in our lives. It's on each of us. We have this personal responsibility. And so think about it like this. If you were to water a garden once a week, would that be a healthy garden? Nope. If you were to only eat one meal per week, would you be a healthy person? I don't think so. In fact, we would probably try to intervene in your life, right, to get you some help. And the same is true about personal worship. Yes, it's, it, it's highly important for us to come together for this one hour that we get out of the 168 uh, to, to meet together and to worship as the family of God. But what I want you to see today is that if that's how you view worship as just the only thing of what worship is, not only would you have a very dwarfed view of what worship is, you'd have a very unhealthy view of what worship truly is. Too often times, we treat Sunday morning like a shot in the arm to sustain us until we come back in here again the next week. When I want you to know today, and what I think God really wants you to know, is that before you ever darken the doors on this place, you're coming with a heart that is overflowing with praise, worship, uh, adoration, gratitude, and, and just overflowing with thanksgiving before you ever even get here because you have habitually spent time in His presence. And if you've been around a person like that, they're contagious, right? Like they are the kind of people that we want to be around. Why? Because I believe when Jesus says your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are seeing that materialized in that person's life. What's inside of them is making its way to the outside and we cannot help but be drawn to it because it's what we were made for. Because this world is not our home. It's not our kingdom. What's inside of their lives is making its way to the outside. So, 
I've kind of been up in the clouds, right? And, and, and kind of in an ethereal way. Like this is good information, Ryan, or hopefully you're, you're, you're feeling that way right now. But how do I take this home and, and put this into practice? And, uh, and so if I were to give you uh, three things that I could leave you with today of how you can make this, uh, this personal practice, a personal private worship in your life, it would be this. The first thing is you need to find the place. What is the means that takes you by the hand and leads you to that place of personal worship with God? Is it a particular set of songs? Is it listening to Christian radio? Then you should turn up that dial. Is it Christian metal? Then rock for Jesus. Is it bluegrass or instrumental or folk? Is it singing hymns? Then you should continue to sing hymns. Is it Christian rap? Is it silence? then let those things take you by the hand and escort you to that place of worship with God. Maybe it's being in nature, and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to go on a three-hour hike. Maybe it just means that you open the curtains and listen to the birds sing and just look at the trees and the sunrise, or maybe it's sitting on, on your back porch drinking coffee and just taking in nature. Or maybe it's, it's lighting a candle and just letting the aroma fill the room and just dimly lighting the room and just kind of setting the mood. Maybe it's all three of these things or a combination of, of, of maybe of something that I'm not even mentioning right now. Either way, it's to take you by the hand and lead you to that place of worship with God. And your place is probably going to look different from my place, and that's okay. Because it's, it's, it's not about the thing itself, but it's what it takes you towards, and that's worshiping God and spending that time with Him. So find the place. The second thing is that you need to make the space. Set aside time each day in your schedule to make this possible. And this may mean that you need to carve something out. And that, that whole idea of carving, it's kind of an aggressive term. It can be a painful thing of having to maybe remove something from our schedule. And so this may mean going to bed early so that you can get up early and spend time with the Lord in worship. It may mean reeling back on Netflix and devoting that time to personal worship with God. Because think about it, we are so good at distracting ourselves, right? We all do it. And we often use activity to numb ourselves of our need for intimacy with God. Oftentimes our tendency is to let just the television just wash over us for hours and just to fill up our schedule going here and there. All the while it's an unidentified cry for intimacy with God because it's a longing for something or someone to give us a sense of completion and wholeness that we'll never find. I'm not saying that these things are bad in themselves, but what I am saying is that if they are taking the place of God, then we've got a problem in our hearts. So find the place, make the space. And the third thing is, is consistent pace. So don't feel like that you have to get up and do this necessarily for an hour every day. Maybe it's just five to 10 minutes, but what if it was just consistent taking that time to steal your heart before the Lord and just to worship and declare who he is and to listen. And trust me, church, as you marry your native hardwired desire to worship to the very one that can truly satisfy that desire permanently, that time cannot help but grow and multiply. But let me be clear, I don't want you to get hung up on a particular set of minutes because the wonderful truth is that God is always with us. The Bible makes us very clear. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 20, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. First Thessalonians 5 says to rejoice always, to pray without ceasing. And that tells me that God is accessible all day, 
every day. Zephaniah 317 says, the Lord your God is in your midst. So throughout the day, the Father is accessible to his children 24-7. And we can worship him with every single thing that we are because the Bible says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we think exists for him and for him alone, whatever you do. So find the place, make the space, and have consistent pace. Listen to me. You are a living, breathing, walking representation of the God of the universe to the world. Made in his image and for intimate communion with him. And you were made for him and for him alone. That you would walk in the freedom and the life that God has for you in a life full of worship and praise and adoration for him because something very real on the inside is making its way to the outside in your life. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you're so good, that you're so kind, and that you're revealing your nature just more and more to us as we learn what it means to worship you with everything that we are. God, forgive us for the times that we have exchanged the truth for a lie and have worshiped a counterfeit false God that can never satisfy and just only leaves us more broken and separated from you. Would you just show us more and more of ways that uh, just that we can worship you with every single fiber of our being, that just heaven would just make its way out of our lives and into the lives of others around us as, as the kingdom of heaven just materializes in our life around us. We love you, God, and we thank you so much for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.